Eye on the Empire, episode 346. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. He's back. That's right. It is me. I am back. I am uh, here to put together a show for you. This is Eye on the Empire and your host, Ray. Uh, appreciate you joining me and uh, being patient while I get things together. Uh, it's a new year. We have a new president now. We have a lot of things that have happened since I left, and I didn't want to get into too much commentary on all of that stuff or anything, uh, all the craziness that's been happening for the last six weeks or so. Um, but I did want to do some commentary for you guys because, you know, we have a new president now. And for the last two years or so, I was covering the presidential election. And now Donald Trump is gone, kind of expected. I didn't really have any, uh, any thoughts that he would win. I just really thought that the tide was turning against him, especially there at the end. Uh, and then obviously he gets elected or he get he doesn't get elected. Sorry. And then just starts casting all the doubt and all the drama that was going on, uh, post election as well. And it just led up to some absolute, you know, mayhem on the 6th. And if you look at the videos and stuff, I'm sure, I'm sure that the media hyped it up more than it actually was. I'm sure that the propaganda was there uh, to make it seem like it was... Wi- I mean, for example, some of the pictures that you saw, it looked like the Capitol was up in flames, but it was just the smoke that was rising from the smoke grenade canisters that the cops used and the lights that go along with it but if you looked at those pictures it was as if it was like the people were burning down the capitol building so obviously it was propaganda that went along with that as well and it was just to build momentum towards a joe biden presidency now should those people have been doing what they did they're gonna face some legal challenges and stuff uh they're gonna be arrested i mean the fbi is all over it Um, and for the people that were, you know, criticizing the police officers saying, oh, well, what if, what if these people were, you know, not Trump supporters? What if they were, you know, BLM protesters, then they would have been not treated with, with kid gloves. And let's be honest, these people are not being treated with kids, kid gloves at all. Um, and you know, if anyone's a rioter, obviously there would probably be some situations where they're not going to be treated by treated with kid gloves gloves as well. So, um, the question that was never asked though in the media, which drove me crazy, is why are these people so upset? Not the ones that went and in like 
and broke into the Capitol building. Not those people, but why are 75 million people going to go out and vote for Donald Trump? To me, that's the question that needs to be asked. Like, the Democrats are not asking that question. And I heard it on Joe Rogan the other day, listening to, I think it was the director of the ACLU back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And he was saying that this this uh, election was a referendum on race and racial relations and white supremacy and all those 75 million people that voted for Donald Trump should have looked at themselves a little bit deeper and realized that and by not doing that he was considering them racist and I when I think about the way that he said that it's just the idea is he doesn't know a lot of these people. And Joe Rogan actually pushed back and says, don't you think it's just because they don't like Democratic policies? Don't they think they just don't like Joe Biden? Maybe they're a little bit scared of, you know, Kamala Harris. Maybe they don't like the progressive movement. Oh, no, 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 no. This is Those people are immoral, essentially, is what he said, because they were willing to vote for somebody who he claimed or he considers to be a bigot and a racist in Donald Trump. And it's just a closed off mind that the liberal people have in this whole, and and it's the same thing that happens in the conservative movement as well, the echo chamber that we're in. And you can see the echo chamber that he was in where he doesn't know any real Trump supporters or any real Trump voters. Because I'm not a Trump voter. I wasn't a Biden voter either. But I could understand why somebody would vote for Biden. And I could understand why somebody would vote for Trump. I mean, I know Trump voters who are very good people. They're not racist. They weren't inwardly or outwardly looking at Donald Trump saying, you know, he's a racist. He's a bigot. He's a piece of crap. But I'm going to vote for him anyway. Like, that wasn't their mindset they didn't think that Donald Trump is a bigot or a racist or whatever else the liberals think that he is that's why they voted for him so what needs to be asked in these types of situations is why are these 75 million people going to vote for Donald Trump and why was there so much outrage about it and a lot of it is stoked by Donald Trump caught not being willing to give up the election, not being willing to concede, never actually conceding the election, essentially. And even if Georgia went his way and a few other states went his way, like the Electoral College still would have been above 270 votes. So it doesn't matter in that grand scheme of things about the vote counts and the vote tallies and all that stuff. It was a referendum on Donald Trump, though. In general, you know, 7 million more people voted for Donald Trump than voted or voted for Joe Biden than voted for Donald Trump. Now, we did have a massive turnout compared to normal in this election. So both sides were able to get a lot of people out. So there was a lot of unhappiness. There was a lot of people who were falling into the belief that Joe Biden can't be elected 
Because if he is, then we're going to become a socialist nation. And there's a lot of people that were falling into the other narrative that said if Donald Trump gets gets reelected, we're going to be a racist nation. But the two sides don't understand each other, and they don't want to understand each other, is what the problem really is. There's no desire on the Democrat side or Republican side for the to understand the other side. That's actually comes to the point where everyone thinks that the other side is evil and bad. Like I know a lot of Republicans and I know a lot of Democrats. I know a lot of people who voted either way and they're generally good people. So I'm assuming that most people are good people. I've always felt that way, that most people are good people. And they're not voting for Donald Trump because they are racist, because that's not what most people are. And they're not voting for for Joe Biden because they just want to have dictatorial powers in a communist society. Like, that's not how most people are. There are some people that are like that on both sides. That's true. That's not really the case. So they need to learn how to understand each other. And that's what the Democrats need to do. And that's what we're looking at right now is a Joe Biden who's saying, we want unity, we want unity. But then he goes and claims that he's, you know, that we've lived in a world for the last four years in the dark world that we've been living in for the last four years under, you know, such an evil person when 75 million people voted for that so-called unquote, quote unquote, evil person in Donald Trump. So that's not a, that's not a uniting message at all. It's not, but that's not what they want. And I've said that hundreds of times on this show. That's not what they want. They don't want unity. They want 80 million people to get out there and vote. And what got 80 million people to get out there and vote this time? Or 80 million people to vote for Democrats and 70, you know, 5 million people to vote for the Republicans. What got them out to vote this time? It was division. And they love that. They love that. I mean, literally, 15 million more people voted this time than normal. So why wouldn't they just keep on stoking those, those, stoking those flames, building it up, keeping it on fire? And that's what they're probably going to end up doing over the next four years. It's only going to get worse because nobody really wants unity. I don't see it. I see them talking about it, but then they're going to go off and try to push a hugely liberal agenda. That's what they're going to try to do. And that's not a middle of the road type of president. It's not. But this is what happens when you have the Republicans, or excuse me, the Democrats holding the House, the Senate, and the executive branch. You're going to end up having a situation where the liberals are going to have their way in Congress and all the way through the legislative branch up into the executive branch. And they're going to get their stuff passed through. And you're going to see a similar situation of 2008 or 2009 where there's a Tea Party movement that rises up. The only difference between the Tea Party movement of 2009, which is very fiscal conservative and so forth, 
They were very fiscal conservative. They didn't want spending. They wanted lower taxes. They wanted a, a government that tried to control the debt because they were seeing trillions of dollars in debt. Like that was the huge message of the Tea Party movement, per se. But this group, I think it might be a little bit more prone to, you know, walk around with their guns out and all that stuff, which is going to be plastered all over the news in a negative light. That these people are out there ready to take over the gun, cover, or the cape, take over the country, take over the government, hearkening back to, you know, January 6th again and all that crap. But the question is, why are they thinking that way? You know, why are they thinking that way? Because this is what it really is, guys. And this is what it comes down to. Everybody wants to control the trillions of dollars that's in the government, right? That's really what it comes down to. And the Democrats want that control. They're trying to control the guns that are pointed at the people, essentially, on that tax money, on that revenue that comes in, and on the control that they can have. Everyone wants that control. And that's really what it comes down to. They want to have that control over the population. And there's a lot of things that the government does. The government controls trillions of dollars in spending. So there's a lot on the line to have control over that government. And that's really what it comes down to and why there's so much division in America right now is because the people are being basically willing accomplices in this situation when they get involved in all the communication and all the Facebooking and all the Twittering and all this and that and another thing. They get involved in it. Everyone feels like they are part of the game. And it's good for the politicians to have the people think that because it gets them out there in votes and keeps them in control and keeps them feeling relevant. But they're not relevant. I was telling this to my daughter earlier today, actually. I said, they want you to think that, but the reality is, is you're just as well off as you, you're most likely just the same as you were four years ago and four years before that. But the politicians want you to think that their world is going to be miserable four years from now if you vote for the other guy. But let's be honest. Are you really that much better off under Donald Trump versus Barack Obama or Barack Obama versus George Bush? Maybe the military is a little bit better off. Maybe there's less wars. I don't know. Maybe there's less bombs being dropped, but probably not. Maybe you pay a little bit less taxes, but who knows? Economy might have got a little bit better. Who knows if that's really Trump's fault anyway? Or Trump's doing? Like, focus on yourself. And that's going to help you to get better, you know? But you, everyone's under this illusion that somehow the world is going to be better under their guy. And that's not the truth. That is not the case. But that's what Joe Biden's going to tell you. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. Let's unite under, you know, under me. We need to bring unity to this country and heal this country and all this stuff. That's what he said. That's what he says in his inaugural address, whatever. And uh, that's it, you know? He's going to claim, and mark my words on this. I posted on Twitter the other day. He's going to claim that COVID-19 started to get better when he became the president and that things there was a turning point when he became the president and all the different things that are going on. And that's not true. 
for about the last week and a half to two weeks or so, you've seen a negative decline in the number of cases, a decline in the number of hospitalizations, and a decline in the number of deaths from COVID-19. That's over the last two weeks. Pre-Christmas, you were starting to see the decline after, after that or before that as well. Then you saw a spike through Christmas. And the reason why is because there was less testing going on and less people being tested and so forth. Um, you still saw some hospitalizations going up, but you started, you were seeing a tide, a turning of the tide around the beginning of, or the middle of December is what actually I said that in November that you'd probably see a, a turning of the tide. And then finally you're seeing the turning of the tide now for the last 10 days or so, even the hospitalizations and the deaths are going down and the deaths is the lagging indicator in this situation. So Donald Trump is not to not the person that made this happen, by the way, guys. This is how viruses are. They come and they go and they, you know, they burn themselves out in some ways. I don't think this is attributed to the vaccine either because they've only done, what, you know, 10 million vaccines or something like that so far. Less than 1% of the population. So that's not, or, you know, a little less, oh, excuse me, a little more than 2 or 3% of the population, I guess that would be. But still... It's not because of that. It's because a lot of people have already had it. So there's probably a little bit of herd immunity floating around here in some ways. And then viruses do burn themselves out over time. And that's pretty much the gist of why you're starting to see the decline right now over the last 10 days. But Joe Biden will mark my words in about a month or two. He'll say, see, as soon as I got elected, as soon as I got into office, the ties started to change. But you'll be able to go back to this show and say, no, that's not the case. That's what you'll be able to do. And that's, I mean, but he's going to claim all of this stuff. He is going to claim that, you know, the economy is going good and all that stuff. And the press is going to be willing accomplices on this thing. And that's it. So the, the next topic I want to talk about really briefly is this, guys. And, I, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. The fact that Parler was taking off the internet by Amazon, the fact that Apple, Google, you know, all these companies colluded together in order to get them off the internet, to silence them, to silence different people, the fact that Facebook and Twitter are silencing people, that is a good thing. It is a good thing. Mark my words on this. It's a good thing. And the, and you say, well, Ray, hold on just a second. You know, they're free speech and all this stuff. No, they're private companies. But the thing is, the, there's a... There, there's, there's, there's goodness to this. And the reason why I say that is because this. Those companies are not fulfilling the need that people have for free speech. They're not. Facebook, Twitter, Amazon at this point, they're not filling the need that people have for free speech and this desire to communicate freely. They're not feeling that need. They are now in a position where they are editorial and they're editorializing what's going on on their platforms. And that's fine. They're private companies. They can do that. The good thing about it is this. Parler is now looking around for a new web hoster, host, right? A company that can take them on. And they found one. There's money that's going to be invested 
heavily into these platforms. They're going to attract investors and they're going to be plastered as the evil guys and the bad guys and all that stuff. That's true. But they're building the platforms that are going to become the next generation of free speech on the internet. Something that can't be shut down. Like It's going to force people to start innovating to get around Facebook and Twitter and Amazon and all that stuff. So that's a good thing. And I mean, I'm just thinking about back when the printing press was out. I'm sure the church tried to shut those things down. I'm sure about it. But free speech wins out. We're in the very beginning of the internet age. We're in the very beginning of the dot-com age. We're in, in the very beginning of the electronic age. The communications age that we're in. And it got a little crazy for a while, and then people start trying to shut it down. The church leaders start trying to shut it down, per se, in that sense, you know? The corporations start start trying to shut it down. But that investment, that desire that people have for the free speech on the conservative side, on the libertarian side, we're going to overcome it. And that what what's going to force it is the fact that they're shutting us down. They're shutting the people down. So now new investment is going to be made elsewhere. And that's a good thing. Right, we do not need the government to regulate this thing. We don't. That is the worst thing that can possibly happen is getting the government involved in it. Ted Cruz and his idea of deregulation or regulating these companies and all that stuff. No, absolutely not. When the government decides who gets to speak freely, nobody gets to speak freely. So, we want the investment in companies like Parler. We want the investment in the platforms that are going to lead the way. And the only way you get that is by the dissatisfaction of the people that are using those platforms and to leave them. I have not been on Facebook in like a month, over a month and a half now, I don't think. I still post news articles every so often on the Facebook page and I'm not actually getting on the Facebook to do it. I'm just kind of linking it and then clicking on the Facebook icon and then that kind of puts it onto there. So if you see anything on the Facebook page for I Am The Empire, that's where that's how it's getting on there. But I'm not using Facebook. I'm not using Twitter. I'm using Twitter just a little bit now. But, and I was starting to get into Parler as well. But the thing is, is as people start to migrate over there, the, invest, the people are there, so there's going to be money involved in it. And that's the thing, is you want to get capital flow towards those alternative resources, those alternative sites, you know? Like right now, for example, you have just an easy way to have communication with people through the internet. And they're trying to make it tougher. But, I mean, 20 years ago, you had the New York Times, you had the Boston Globe, you had LA, you know, Los Angeles Times, you only had a few, Washington Times or whatever, you only had a few ways to communicate to the masses per se. And it's very, only the very top people can do that. I guess you can start a newsletter and start advertising in a magazine to get people to sign up for your newsletter, but it was very hard to have that mass communication with people. Now you have that ability and people are going to try to shut that down. But it's our job to invest in it and figure out new ways to do it. So that's a good thing. It's a good thing. So don't get freaked out that they're trying to shut down free speech. Free speech will not get shut down. Free speech will overcome.
in the grand scheme of things, we're seeing some challenges now, but we don't need the government to step in to change that. We don't. We need to elect leaders, if that's the case, or elect people who are talking about free speech and protecting free speech. And most people in Congress are not about free speech anymore on the Republican side and on the Democratic side. If you are saying something they don't agree with, they are more than happy to shut you down and shut you up. Because the only speech they want to protect is speech that they agree with. But a speech that everyone agrees with does not need to be protected. And that's the key. So don't worry about it. Investments will be made. It's You can start one of those companies if you want to. If you can get people together and millions upon millions of dollars and you have the capital to make it happen, become that free speech platform. Become the free speech host. The one that says, you know what, we are a neutral host. We don't care. You can sit there and be complain or whatever. My customers are them. Amazon has a lot to lose by host by being involved in all that stuff, right? That's their that's a competitive disadvantage for them. If they're hosting parlor and you know a bunch of liberals say we're gonna stop buying from Amazon because we don't like you, da da da. We don't like what they're doing, you're hosting parlor and they're bad and they racist and all that. All that stupid bull crap. Amazon has a lot to lose. But you know, whatever host or host that they went to doesn't have a lot to lose because they're hosting. They're just saying, no, we're a neutral host and that's it. So don't worry. Don't worry. That's all I got to say. So anyway, guys, I appreciate you. I am glad to be back. I'm going to, tr- what I'm going to try to do a little housekeeping here. I'm going to try to do one show per week for a while and see if I can do that. Okay. That's going to be my goal. Um, I apologize that I was gone for so long, but I did have several people that reached out to me and, and, uh, and said, hey, what's your thoughts on this? What's your thoughts on that? And uh, I appreciate those that did reach out to me. And it kind of inspired me to get back into this thing, man. Because uh, for a while there, I'm just, I've just, I haven't been focusing on the news. I don't, I, I'm not focused in on that stuff because I've been so focused on other things. And I think that's a good thing to get away from all of this uh, craziness every so often. Um, but what we're here to do is talk about a libertarian perspective on the news and current events of the day, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. Uh, I do get a high enough level of what's going on in the world from the daily reading that I do and so forth. So um, I'll put together some shows based upon all of that stuff. And we need to keep an eye on the empire, and that's why I started this show in the first place, is to keep an eye on what your government is doing because they're trying to take away your freedoms and your liberties and they're going to succeed if we don't hold them accountable. And that's why I started this show. So appreciate you joining me. Uh, Keep on coming back. I'll be back next week, all right? And uh, I don't even have an outro for the show anymore because I used to be, uh, you know, I used to do it where, where we're focused on the election, you know, clear vision for 2020, but we're not in 2020 anymore. So uh, happy new year, by the way. Um, and you'll have clear vision for 2021. Boom. There you go. Talk to you later. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life. And I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism. And if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. And you could do that by going to ionthempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. 
That's amazing. Once again, go to eyeontheempire.com slash liberty.